0: Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, a program all about transforming minds and developing leaders. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the emerging leader in you. Now, here is your leadership mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Leader Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to episode number
1: 195 of the Strategic Leader Podcast. Hey, we're gathering great leaders just like you from all over the world and we're focusing on becoming focusing on developing focusing on growing our leadership potential in every way we're continuing our new series of interviews and we're bringing you some great leaders right here on the program today i'm going to be introducing you to rhonda get we're talking about moving from micromanagement to masterful leadership it's going to be a great one Well, I'm excited to have you with us today. As always, we're honored. We want to bring you content and information that's going to grow you, challenge you, maybe even push you a little bit to become a more effective, more incredible leader. I'm really excited today. I'm really honored today to introduce to you a longtime friend and colleague, Rhonda Geddes. As you know, around here, we're dedicated to transforming minds, developing leaders, And we're really wanting to to gather together emerging hungry leaders who want to have greater influence in their respective spheres. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Rhonda, who is not only a leader in her field, but she is really a leader of leaders. She has incredible insights. She has incredible acumen in the area of leadership transition, change management, personal development, Quite honestly, she's one of the most remarkable people that I know. She's often referred to as the Pathfinder because she has an uncanny ability to see things in people, to see clearly what needs to happen within an organization. Her experience, her incredible travels, all the various arenas that she's had the privilege of serving in really qualifies her in a unique way to bring to us this subject today. Well, she's worked in corporate America. She owns her own businesses. She facilitates an incredible proprietary aligned program. All of these things really qualify her on such a high level, but more than all of the qualifications on a personal level, I'll tell you, she's one of the most intelligent people I know, and I'm delighted to introduce you right now to my dear friend, Rhonda Geddes. Rhonda, it's great to have you on the Strategic Leader Podcast today. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate you inviting me to be on the podcast.
1: Well, you and I actually go back a few years. We've known each other for maybe 20 plus years, but only in the last year or so have we reconnected and begun to collaborate a little bit more in our respective fields. And I'm just, I'm thrilled and I'm excited and I'm honored that you've taken time out of your schedule to hang out with our audience today and share some of the valuable, valuable things that you have to offer. So again, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Let's talk about leadership. Now on our program, you probably are aware we talk a lot about personal development. We talk a lot about personal mastery. We have a strong emphasis on developing leaders around here. And in my world, leadership is not necessarily a positional or a title thing. It's more about Uh, the level to which you are administering influence in your respective role or function or place of influence. So uh, you deal a lot in this world of leadership. What I'd love to do just to start out here is have you tell us a little bit about Rhonda Geddes, kind of your background, how you came to be doing what you're doing. In fact, let us know what all you're doing because you're involved in so many great things. Give us a little background on you to start with.
2: Great. Well, thank you. So, my name is Rhonda Geddes, and I live in Houston, though I grew up in the Northeast in Connecticut.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry? I just said, I'm sorry you grew up in the Northeast.
2: Hey, don't be sorry. I'm a Yankee, and I'm okay (laughs) with that. I just live in the South, especially in Houston, because there's no snow Um, I love hot weather. Anyway, I've actually uh, lived all over the country, lived all over the world. I have been very fortunate to not only have traveled, But um, during certain times of my career, I've actually been able to move to different places, experience life um, from a lot of different perspectives. But grew up in Connecticut, one of five children. My father was a pastor, so I'm absolutely proud of the fact that I'm a preacher's kid. Um, I have three brothers that are also pastors and a sister that is a doctor. And we we grew up in the church not knowing anything different, not knowing anything better, not knowing anything worse because it was our life. But the reason why I bring up my father and being a pastor and my mother being uh, this amazing woman is leadership in our home was exhibited but was also taught to each of the five children from birth because we realized we had a certain responsibility in the church but my dad was really pushing for each of us to grow into the best person that we can become because he realized if he groomed us for leadership positions, um, we would be the better for it and we would take our rightful place because this really was, for each of us, it was the calling. So uh, since that time, you know, I took a number of positions uh, in various corporate roles. I've been a corporate executive at some of the largest corporations in the world. And throughout my career, I always realized that those leadership skills my dad taught me from an early childhood age were serving me very well. I laugh and tell people, um, when I went to college, my dad said, why are you getting a degree in psychology? And I honestly, it was all I ever wanted to do is I wanted my education to be in psychology because I knew I could help people. And I've been able to marry my educational background with my desire to train leaders. And the, the two of them work so well together. And so I wanna say to my dad, who's no longer with us, this really was the best option for Rhonda
1: Geddes. That's great. What a legacy. That's so powerful.
2: Oh, absolutely. I love my heritage. I love my background, and I'm so grateful to my parents for the foundation that they laid.
1: So what are you doing now with respect to those roles? I know you you are doing several things. You're like me. You're multifaceted, and so it keeps you very busy, but tell us about your work.
2: So my work these days... um, can actually be divided into two distinct areas. I spend a lot of time with corporations, universities, churches, nonprofit groups, developing leaders, teaching on leadership, facilitating leadership um, uh, uh, workshops and the like, and really coming into an organization that feels like they need that additional support, whether it is in leadership development or it could be an organization that really is going through great and massive change, but they don't really know how to manage the change for the organization. So I will go in and lay out a change management program or lay out a leadership development program and work with them usually on a longer term basis to make sure that the vision of the organization lines up with the skills and the behavior of the leaders. On the other hand, I also do a fair amount of coaching. I do one-on-one coaching primarily with women but also men who are in mid to executive level management looking to move up in their career but they realize that they need a coach in order to get them to the next level of living in terms of their corporate careers. So I do individual coaching. I do group coaching. I do a number of speaking engagements. As you can tell, I love to talk. (laughs) I love to talk on the topic of leadership. I love to talk on the topic of change and what that can do for your organization. And so I do a fair amount of speaking engagements as well.
1: I know that you do a lot of work in the corporate world. you just you just described some of that to us. On a more general sense, what do you feel about this statement? Every person has leadership capacity and should be exercising influence somewhere. Well, I believe
2: that everyone should exercise influence somewhere because I believe that's why we were put on this earth is to impact others and impact them in a positive way. I'm probably going to shock you, but I do not believe that everyone has leadership skills. I do believe there are certain people and there's this, this cream of the crop special group of folks who were born to be leaders. And then there's another group of folks who have developed their leadership skills and they are phenomenal. But I don't believe that everyone has and possesses leadership skills. And nor do I believe that everyone actually can cultivate that because it's really not their calling. There are some people that are very good managers. There are other people that are very good worker bees. There are other people that are very good at carrying out the duties and responsibilities, but they may not have those leadership skills. And so... I don't like to stress anybody out and tell them, you got to do this. They may be very comfortable where they are because they're in their calling.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would take it a step further. I think there are people that, and you may may have misunderstood my question. I I asked, does everyone have capacity for leadership? Not necessarily do they have the skills. Okay. Uh, And by that, I simply mean, I think there are a lot of people that simply choose the path of least resistance Not because they're lazy. Uh, It could be because of maybe unresolved or unreconciled issues in their heart. You know, I I deal with personal healing quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, But for whatever the reason, they just choose not to explore the possibilities as it relates to their leadership potential or leadership capacity. And so they, they default into those other categories you were just mentioning, and they do very well. They do. And,
2: and they're really functioning at an optimum level and they're giving back to their organizations or giving back to their church or their home or their families. And they're doing amazing things because that's really where they're comfortable and they feel like they're, you know, as long as I'm giving back and impacting, then I am doing
1: exactly what I should do. That's great. Uh, let's talk about this. Leadership principles are fairly universal. It's it's like math, you know. You if you plug in the the same quotients, you're going to get the same answer every time, pretty much. And leadership is much that way. There are certain principles that are universal, they're timeless. They work, and what have you. Uh, obviously, a person who is given to a leadership mindset is going to not only explore those principles but master them over time. One of the things that I'm amazed by, and frankly um, intrigued by, is one of the statements that Stephen Covey made years ago when he wrote the book Principle Center Leadership, he, he said there are only two kinds of leaders in the world. There are leaders who empower their followers. The other kind of leader is the person who controls their followers. Wow. And, and he went on to say that the only difference between the two types of leaders is the leader who empowers chooses to trust. The leader who controls doesn't have the capacity to trust. And I know that's one of the things you deal with a lot in your work. You deal with this, this whole idea of, of leaders who just simply can't let go and empower and release their people to do what they're good at. Talk about that a little bit.
2: So um, I spent a lot of time teaching on the difference between management and leadership. And I, I have a book out that is called Moving from Micromanagement to Masterful Leadership. But the, the funny part of that title is the subtitle because it says it's a control thing. Oh, wow. And so the reason why I even went down that path is because I was teaching on that subject so much, the difference between management, leadership, but more importantly, why do people feel the need to control? It is wasted energy for me, but it tells the character of a person. Leaders who trust their organization, trust their people to carry out the shared vision and to get that buy-in and for everybody to understand where we are going next as an organization, those kind of leaders can then sit back, develop people, move on to the next strategic thought and and possibility of that organization. But those kind of leaders are constantly growing because they're looking to the future. The manager who may have a title of leader who is spending all of their time and energy controlling a situation has lost an opportunity to develop their people to actually be that thought leader, to be a visionary, and to look into the future because when you're a controlled, when you're a person who loves control, that takes up most of your time, your energy, your thought processes because your thoughts are all around, well, how do I make sure Mary's in place? And how do I make sure John's doing what he's doing? And it's just wasted energy. And so I would say to those um, folks that are out there listening, Go the route of being that trustful leader. Your life would be so much better. The people who report into you will have a much greater and more pleasant experience working with you. And when people enjoy working with you, they want to see you succeed. That has been my experience that when I managed very large teams, and I have managed teams in the corporate world in the hundreds, because my organization, because the individuals bought into the vision and they had a part in crafting that vision, they did everything within their power to ensure that I succeeded. And that was so rewarding. It was never a fight. It was never a struggle it was because they realized if I succeeded, they succeeded and vice versa. But I'll, I'll be truthful, Brian, there was a point in my career where I felt like I had to control the situation. And I can tell you that as a controlling manager, I really did not enjoy the, the work as much and those who reported into me did not enjoy my management style
1: at all. What are some of the causative factors, some of the root issues that cause an individual who is in that position to default to more of a controlling stance versus an empowering stance? What's going on inside the mind or the heart of that leader or manager that keeps them stuck in that micromanaging situation?
2: So many things. I'm going to just touch on a few of them. Sometimes that particular person is just immature. Immature. And I will tell you, during my control freak days, I was so immature. I thought that the only way to get the organization on one page was to micromanage everybody. I would go home at the end of the day and I would be exhausted because I was immature. Another reason why people control a situation or micromanage a situation is they don't want to let the world know that they don't know everything. And so, in order to cover up the fact that I may not know everything, if I meddle in everybody else's business, I'll look efficient, and I'll look like a leader, and I'll look like a good manager, but it really comes down to lack of knowledge on their part makes them want to cover up that fact. They don't want anybody to know. One other area that also contributes to why would you want to be a micromanager or why would you want to be that controlling factor is you never know what people's home lives are like quite honestly i've run into many many managers that the only place they felt like they were in control was work because when they got home they had no say they had no control and they felt defeated so they would come to work and kind of work their frustrations out on their organizations or their direct reports because that was the only place where they felt like they were on top. So those are just a few reasons why um, I go into a bit more in-depth conversation on this subject in the book itself, but um, those are very common reasons, very, very common reasons.
1: This speaks to one of the things that I talk about quite often here on the show as well as in all of my speaking around the world. And that is the four cornerstones for strategic living or leadership. And they are personal healing, personal discovery, personal development, personal deployment. The truth is unresolved, unreconciled, broken things with the individual, they're always going to reflect in your work. And they'll oftentimes create a ceiling as to how far you can really go or how high you can really rise, or maybe how effective you can be. And what I'm hearing you say is that uh, every person who is in a position where whereby they can either manage or lead needs to really be concerned with their own personal development, their own personal healing, so they can become a better leader as well.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you know what? We as leaders really need to make the commitment to ourselves to grow and be that best leader that we can be because if for no other reason someone is always observing us and they want to be like us so we need to be putting forth the the right uh skill the right actions and even the right image and i'm not overly concerned with outward image but knowing that there are people coming behind us who actually want to be in a leadership role. They're looking for a mentor. They're looking for someone to help grow them into that position. And so we have to be very careful that we are working on ourselves because others are are watching us. And, and so many times we do need to explore our own um, need for healing, personal healing and in, in our own personal development so that we are bettering ourselves, but we're also sharing those same skills, those same learnings with others who want to do the exact same thing.
1: That's awesome. I'm going to throw you a, a small curveball here. Okay. And there is a phenomenal leadership expert that's been writing for many years. I'm, he may have passed on by now, Robert Greenleaf, and he He might have been one of the guys that coined the phrase servant leadership, and that's been talked about so much, both in the marketplace world, both in the Christian or church ministry world for so many years, but how does an attitude of service, even to one's employees, how does that attitude really play out, and what role does that play, how important is that attitude if we're going to not only do a phenomenal job for the organization, but more importantly, serve those who are under our leadership in the best kind of way. Talk about that a little bit.
2: I'm going to talk about that. Wow. So, let me tell you a little story. There was a time in my career where I reported to a micromanager. And, you know, one of the things I say to everyone, everyone, whether I am volunteering in a situation whether I am speaking at a conference, whether I am managing a group of people, I have had this habit of saying, how may I serve you? And anyone I say that to, they're always kind of taken aback and then they think about it and and I wanna make sure that I leave people with, you know, something I've given them. And I remember when I reported to this person and the first time I said that to her, she was offended. Huh. And it was months later, I, I was taken aback. It was months later that she pulled me aside and said to me, I really wish you would not say that to me. And I said, oh, I didn't realize it was offensive. And she said, yes, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want you to act like you're you're serving me in any way. This is just a job. And I walked away and I really thought about it because in my past, I don't know that I embraced servant leadership as wholeheartedly as I should have but as I grew and as maybe I aged and maybe I just came across a variety of different people and cultures I realized everybody wants to be left with feeling better after they have interacted with you yes that is the greatest gift you can give to anyone if somebody walks away from five-minute conversation, a two-minute conversation, a 30-second conversation with you, and they walk away saying, I am so glad I talked to that person. I feel so much better. We have poured into their lives. We have made a positive impact, and we have made a difference. And so to me, Servant leadership is all about impact and making a difference. I want every single person that I interact with, whether it's just a smile or a word of encouragement or they sat through one of my lectures or they attended a conference with me, I want every single person to be able to say, boy, I'm really glad I talked to her or I'm glad I got a chance to hear her speak or I'm glad I read her book or I'm glad that I was in the grocery store behind her. I I want to die being able to say I impacted lives in a positive way and I served those who I came across in my lifetime.
1: That's powerful. It's, it's so it's powerful. Important. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I think we live in such an age of of egocentric, all about me, what's in it for me, how can I step on someone else to get where I need to be? If we can somehow turn that on its head and begin to understand that it's really not about you. <laughs> I mean, whatever you bring to the table. Here's here's a way of looking at it. Whatever it is you're getting paid to do, it's still not about you. Right. It's about right. something much larger than you. And here's the thing. No company, no ministry, no organization can ever be great without its people. And if we're not stewarding the hearts and minds and lives of those people as we lead, then we're doing them a disservice. And quite frankly, I think we're doing ourselves a great disservice.
2: We absolutely are. When when I deal with a leadership team, and this is something I brought from my own experience as a manager and a leader, I, I generally have what I call the round table discussion. And I go around the room and I say to the every person in the room, tell me what you bring to the table that makes this team better Yeah. by you being part of it. And you, people generally don't have that experience. They've never, so they're a little taken aback and I talk for a little while so they can collect their thoughts and they share and every single person shares. And so there's, there's great affirmation in saying to my peers around the table or even my next level manager around the table, because I'm on this team, I bring a positive influence. I am a servant or I, I, you know, I bring laughter or I bring thought leadership or I bring a kind spirit, or whatever it is, but you know what I found in that exercise, and I have literally done it thousands of times, thousands of times, is the person who is across the table or the person sitting next to them is so overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, that is what they bring to the table, or they're very, bought into and very committed to making us a better team. So when you collect all of those little stories and they're articulated and they're documented And then the person who ultimately is the highest ranking person in the room can take all of that and then feed it back to the group of how we will be better because Bob can do this and Sally does this and Jane does this. That is one of the most powerful exercises any team can go through because I now have told you what I'm good at and I'm committed to
1: making you better and we're going to achieve our goals. Well, let me ask you a loaded question here. I didn't prepare you for this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. I know. Don't you love that? I love it. If, If you were to whittle down and focus in on the top three leadership principles that have guided your life, the things that quite honestly, in a bullet point kind of format, these things are the, they're the bar. They're the litmus test for how I conduct my life, my leadership and where it is I'm trying to go. What would those things be for you? How many do you want? <laughs> Let's just start with top three. <laughs> okay. Are the, top, top the, the first three, three that come to your mind. Yeah.
2: The first thing that comes to my mind and I absolutely live my life this way is I have respect for the individual. Wow great. That is, and people know it. You either respect them or you don't. And when you respect them, they feel it and they know it and they know it and they know it. And I refuse to be part of any organization that does not show respect for the individual. That's number one. Number two is I don't necessarily have to be your best friend, nor do I have to agree with all that you do, but I genuinely care about people. Yeah. I genuinely care that not only their interaction with me or their experience with something that I I can deliver in terms of my services or products or, or uh, you know, just my life in general. You can ask any of my neighbors. I care about them. I genuinely care that they're okay and if there is something I can do for them that I've done that. And I say the third thing that I absolutely live by in terms of principle is... I am honest. Maybe for some, too honest. <laughs> but I'm honest in a way that I will tell you if I think that's not a good idea and the consequences of it, or if it's a great idea and how I might be able to help. But I'm very honest. I, I, Rhonda is Rhonda. I don't. I don't have many personalities or anything like that. I'm pretty much the same way you see me I I'm, I'm, I'm silly at times and I'm a prankster at times I love a good laugh but I, I'm consistent and I'm honest.
1: Well those are three very awesome qualities and the last one you talk about honesty and integrity you're really talking about just being authentic uh, yes. and that that plays over into a number of aspects that's awesome. Let's talk to everyone just for a moment. How do people connect with Rhonda Geddes? How do they know more about you? Where do they find your book? How can they uh, plug into your blog post and things that you're doing out there? The simplest way to
2: stay in touch with me and follow me is on my website, which is dot com. So Rhonda com. I am on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, and that information is also on the website. If you want to join my mailing list, just shoot me a quick email at info info at rondagettis.com. Um, The book itself, this particular book in the series is available on Amazon. So if you do a search on Amazon, you will find the book or you can even click a link on my website and you can order the book that way as well.
1: Moving from micromanagement to masterful leadership, subtitle, It's a Control Thing. Great book. <laughs> Rhonda, you are a joy. I am delighted to have you in my life, in our world. Uh, I value you, and I know that our audience today has been uh, really benefited by hearing you. And I, I want to encourage everyone here to go to rondageddis.com. We'll be sure to have links in our show notes. We'll also be linking to her book in Amazon. So if you can't remember what she said to do, we'll have it all up for you at brianholmes.com uh, in the show notes. So, We look forward to having you back, Rhonda, soon. Thank you again for taking time.
2: Thank you, Brian, for having me on your show. I really appreciate this. It's been a joy.
1: Well, this is one you're going to want to go back and listen to time and time again, and I hope you'll do just that. You can find the show notes for this episode and link back to the podcast anytime by going to brianholmes.com forward slash 195, Holmes. Dot com one nine five. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our weekly email updates. We are adding some wonderful new features in the coming days and weeks, and you're not going to want to miss any of that because I tell you, it's going to be quite exceptional. Also, we encourage you and ask you to share this episode with your friends. Listen, if you're a manager, if you're a leader, if you're someone who is aspiring to leadership, this is the kind of, of information you're going to want to share with those people that you love and care for and do life with. So, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, wherever it is you hang out and do your deal, would you just click and share this and let somebody know about what we're doing here at brianholmes.com. Lastly, I want to just say this. Whatever you do, be sure to connect with Rhonda at rhondageddis.com. That's R-H-O-N-D-A-G-E-D-D-I-S.com. She is an incredible leader, someone that I care for deeply, and I know that she will be a major influence in your life If you'll just connect there until next time, God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the strategic leader podcast. We trust that this program has added value to your life and to the development of your leadership potential. You can join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at Brianholmes.com and by sharing this podcast with others who are seeking to take their life and leadership to the next level. May God bless you immensely. And until next time, remember this, you are created to lead.